G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. G'day, welcome to another episode of The Grass is Greener. Great to have you along. Last week, you might have listened to my chat with Bianca Hachi-Hazelman from Financy, and we were chatting about the latest Financy Women's Index. That is a quarterly publication which really measures the progress of economic gender equality in six key areas. Today, I want to explore one of those areas in greater depth, and that is the gender superannuation gap. What is the gender superannuation gap? Well, we know we've got a gender pay gap that's been stuck at 13 to 19% for two decades. Women still paid less in many industries. That then translates into superannuation because we're paid superannuation off the back of our pay. But that becomes a bigger gap with superannuation. It's around 30% lower for women when they retire. And that is compounded by things like smaller pay packets, broken work patterns, women taking time out to care for others, especially kids, maybe uh, their age parents. So I wanted to get someone in to chat about this topic and Deline Jacovides, who's a financial advisor in Queensland. She runs a business called Mazee Wealth and Deline is very committed to, she does some great work in this, this area and she's part of some groups that also are striving to bridge that gap. Deline, not only through the chat, we explored those issues and discussed them, but she had some really good insights into some ways that a, a couples, for example, can approach this topic and try and uh, equalise the super and also just ways for women to consider what else they could be doing to really just have a deliberate plan, try and limit the impact of that gender super gap. So enjoy the chat with Deline Jacovides. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. I am really wrapped today to be sitting here with Deline Jacovides from Mazee Wealth. How are you, Deline? Good, thanks, Tim. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm wrapped that you agreed to come on because I know that um, in this topic that we're going to chat about, the superannuation gender gap, um, it is a very important to you and you're very um, committed to doing work in that space. Um, but before we get into that, I'll love you to just talk about yourself a little bit about yourself personally and professionally. Sure. So I am um, a married mother of two. I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old child. So 
they keep me pretty it's busy. It's right in the, the heart of it, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Um, still getting those sleepless nights with that two-year-old, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and then a little bit about my background. So I came from a family of fishmongers and um, so like working class family and was probably one of the first um, women to go to university. Right. The main driver around that was I wanted to get out of wearing fish boots and <laughs> fish apron for the rest of my life. So I went to university and studied finance and then um, kind of fell into financial advice. I uh, just started working for a financial advisor while I was in uni yep. and then, yeah, really fell in love with it. Um, so I've been in financial services for 12 years now and been a financial advisor for nine years. Um, a good chunk of that time, I have worked for a couple of different super funds as well. So um, in a mixture of roles. So at the start of my career, um, I worked, yeah, for a couple of super funds in client well, services. So it was back back then it was Sun Super. Oh, yeah. I worked there for about three and a half years. So I spent about a year and a half in the contact centre giving general advice and then did a stint in insurance claims um, before working as a financial planner um, in their intra-fund phone base team for about a year and a half. That um, must then have I been just, a pretty good learning experience. Definitely. Um, yeah. I think it was an excellent step um, into my financial planning career. Yeah. Um, but the reason I left there was I figured if I want to be a financial planner, I need to go work for a financial planning firm. Yeah. So um, I found someone I wanted to go work for and contacted them and made that job happen. <laughs> um, they weren't really advertising. I just thought they sounded like a great place to Convinced work. And great to mentors. Hire you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, um, I just contacted them contacted them on LinkedIn, to be honest, yeah. and um, made that happen. So, um, yeah, I worked there for about four and a half years and finished my certified financial planning certification as amongst some other bits and pieces and um, mainly worked with high net wealth clients, so mostly yep. pre-retiree and retiree clients. Um, a lot of people had self-managed super funds, so a bit more complex situations. Um, but then I was having my second child and decided I wanted to take a sidestep. Mm. And so there was an opportunity to work for NGS Super. Um, they had merged with QIEC in Queensland yep. and didn't have an advice department in Queensland. So they wanted to hire an advisor to kind of get that off the ground. So I took that opportunity um, unfortunately for them, when I started, I, the week I started, I also found out I was pregnant with my second child. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was an interesting, um, yeah, thing to navigate, um, having to give them the news that I've just started, but I'm also yeah. pregnant, um, and having to manage that mat leave while I was there, which they were really great about it. Um, and then, yeah, I was there for a, f for a few years with about, eight months mat leave thrown in there. And then yep. um, earlier this year, at the end of January, I started Muzzy Wealth, um, which is my own financial planning business. So it's only Fantastic. four months old. <laughs> well, tell us about Muzzy, the yeah, word so Muzzy, because I'm yeah. really um, intrigued by that. That's it's really cool. Well, it's actually really hard to come up with a name that is available and yeah. means something. And, um, yeah, so... I ended up choosing a Greek word. So muzzy means together in Greek. And so the idea is that um, financial planning is really a partnership. And so we're, you know, building and protecting 
somebody's wealth together. Yep. Um, so that was kind of the vibe I was going for when I chose that chose that name. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, well, so as you've said, you're a working mum yourself um, and I really would just love to hear your thoughts, you know, on the challenges that working mums face um, and that, that doesn't just have to be in financial services, of course, we can we can talk openly about it, what we see with our clients, uh, but particularly in relation to the gender pay gap and the super gender gap and also unpaid mm. work. Well, I got some good stats from the Women in Super website. Great. <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, so first of all, the, the pay gap starts from as early as um, graduates coming out of university and obviously not everybody goes to university but um, graduate salaries for women are typically about five percent lower than their male counterparts Um, and then that gap widens to over 15 percent after three years so it's we're starting off on the wrong foot and then that really hard to imagine why that occurs isn't it Well, I do think if I look back at my own experience and talking to other women, I do think confidence does play a part Mm. in that and that imposter syndrome, I do think that's something that cripples a lot of women. Um, And then that pay gap really just grows over time because women are typically the one to take time out of the workforce to care for young children if they decide to go down that path. And also looking at um, elderly parents, again, typically that responsibility falls on women. Well, it it seems to, doesn't it? It it shouldn't, um, but we know doing aged care advice that it's mainly the daughters who are bringing their parents in. Yeah, they say the research says. Who you meet after about three meetings, who comes in with a few opinions. Um, But... Yeah, the, most of the, the real work and the, and the care factor seems to be with the daughter. Yeah. Um, they, the research says the eldest daughter and I'm the eldest of five children, so I, I know that's definitely going to res- fall on me one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then we, when we look at the, the gap widening when, once we have children, um, there's a few different things that play in there. So first of all, women are typically earning less money so when it comes to deciding who's going to take a step back to look after the Mm. children um, often women will say I'm earning less income therefore I'm going to take the step back Um, and then that means less uh, or women are typically making up more of the part-time workforce yeah or unpaid or unpaid absolutely so there's a stat that says um, women do typically five hours more of caring um, duties than men in a day, so yeah, that's you'd a big think part that would be have to be the case, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone would argue with that. No, I don't think so. I mean, there's plenty of stats out there, so I do yeah. think it's. And you know, you and I were talking the other day, Tim, about um, sometimes it's not even an intentional thing, but the children sometimes just want their mum, and yeah, so that's, that's why right. it is just easier sometimes for mum to step up and just get up more in the night or whatever it is. It, well, I think even when you really say, okay, that's it, I need to really give, you know, my wife a chop out on this, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the kids want their mum for some reason because um, they're sick or, or whatever. So um, 
it's interesting what you're saying there because I think um, a lot of this feeds onto itself, doesn't it? Because I, I was just having this discussion recently mm-hmm. that even – so you've mentioned about how the pay gap starts, the gap's already widening, then starting a family – can then be stop-start for uh, a, a woman's um, working mm. situation and or their working situation is getting put on hold to give support to um, their partner who might be the main breadwinner or whatever. And mm. so in each of these turns, it's another um, another hurdle that gets put mm-hmm. in the way that, that stops momentum. Yeah, definitely. And then just causes, um, obviously, uh, the woman to be earning less superannuation. Yeah. If you're on a lower income, that's a lower percentage of super being put away. Yeah. If they're working part-time, if they're taking unpaid gaps in the workforce, because not all um, all companies pay, pay parental leave. No. Um, and there's no superannuation paid on the government paid parental leave. So... Yep. There's periods of time that there's no superannuation being paid, which can then compound over time. Yeah, it's, which is really important, isn't it? Um, and I think that's one of the things that if if we were to look at that uh, women's index that you're mentioning, um, that's a big thing. Like the, the super, the stop start on the super, um, those years end up costing a lot for, for women. Um, so now putting your financial advisor hat on, um, what are the key things you think um, women should try and consider to minimise the impacts of these disadvantages? Is there things we, that we can do? Yeah, definitely think there's um, a few different things. So first of all, I think that when if there, if there is children in the mix and women are taking some time out of the workforce, they need to remember, like I guess I hear a lot of women say, I'm not going to go back to work because childcare fees yeah. are just going to take up my entire salary. Um, but what I would argue there is that a lot of people don't take into account the superannuation as part of their yeah. income. So just from making sure you think about that. The other thing to think about is that things like childcare expenses, um, they shouldn't just be coming from the woman's salary. And um, just another bit of like (laughs) information, Mm. Um, if we had one person earning say $200,000, so one person unpaid, one person earning $200,000 versus two people earning $100,000 each, there's actually less tax paid on the two incomes. Therefore, there's more money coming into the household. So we are actually better being able to split the division of unpaid labour and then splitting that income and um, work responsibility as well. Yeah. So even as you're saying, in the sen- imagine that, um, I don't know, both parties are going to, the whole family can afford to work six days a week. Yeah. What you're saying is one should work two four days and one should work two days rather than five and one or, or Absolutely. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and you're right, it, it is a better outcome, isn't it? Yeah. So we really need to make sure that as families we're looking at that unpaid labour and making sure that's split amongst both parents um, to allow both parents to take on working responsibilities. Yeah. Because yep. what I sort of think, Delina, we, we might get on the touch on this 
a bit later as well is um, we see a lot of divorce. Um, yes. There's a divorce rate of, if it's not 50%, it's somewhere around that. Yes. Um, so if you're going to put your life on hold to support one other income in the family unit, um, statistically, I'm not saying in any any given situation it's different, but statistically that is going to have a, a potential to be unraveled anyway. So it, it, it's something that I think it, we've all just got to say, well, it's still good for both parties to be building on that that self-sufficiency and the independent factor and and growing as a as a person and, and and continuing to learn and work definitely I feel really strongly about women continuing to work even if they've got children because you just never know what could happen whether mm. it is divorce or whether you know you lose your partner from yeah. you know early early um, death or something like that you just don't know so it is important that women have the ability to earn, even if it's just a few hours a week have the yep. ability and have their foot in the door um and then because that can also taking that big pay unpaid time off work sets women back for future promotions and you know, like you said future yeah. development so i feel strongly about that um and then from i guess other practical um things that we can do to help bridge the superannuation gap um, besides the unpaid labour and looking at the income splitting um, is also around like the, the practical stuff around superannuation. So whether we're in a relationship or not, if having a look at our investment option and making sure that our super is invested appropriately so it grows appropriately. Yeah. Um, so if we're a young family, we might have a long time before we can access our super. So we might be able to afford to take on a bit more risk with our investment option. Um, and maybe even if you know that there's not going to be heaps of money trickling in there for a few years, maybe, you know, if you're at a young age and you're not going to be able to access your super for 30 years or so, maybe it is appropriate to say, well, I'm going to take a bit more risk to push this along. Definitely. Mm. Um, then we've got different types of contributions that we can make into our super. So I guess the ideal time would be before you even think about having children, um, starting to, I guess, front load your superannuation and put some contributions in when you're young, if you can afford to. Yep. Um, obviously, there's always competing goals around some people wanting to buy a home or travel or whatever their shorter term goals are versus locking money up for yeah. 30, 40 years. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the earlier we can start contributing to super, the better. Um, and even if we are taking some part, doing some part-time work or taking some unpaid periods of, um, of work, there's different types of contributions that we could utilise in the family group. So there's things like the co-contribution where we can make our own contribution of up to $1,000 and the government will match up to $500 if yeah. we're earning below a certain threshold. So that's around $20 a week, isn't it, that one? That's right. Yeah. So it's not a lot when you break it up that way. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing that you're saying is well, sometimes I think when we talk about contributing into investments or super or whatever, Instantly, people think, well, yeah, so I could only afford 10 bucks a week, so what's the point? But there's a big point. Definitely. It all adds yeah, up. That's right. Um, and tapping into some of those government um, 
matching, you know, the government co-contribution as the example, that's a um, takes you a thousand and turns it into fifteen hundred, doesn't it? Yeah, you don't get a fifty percent return anywhere else. And <laughs> <laughs> don't get a government handout many many places either. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then that's where the spouse contribution can also play a part as well. So the government co-contribution's got rules around your income and work yeah. and things like that. Spouse contribution has a little bit less rules. Um, that's where we can make a contribution. Our, our spouse can make a contribution into our super. doesn't technically have to come from our spouse. It could come yeah. from the joint bank account or even your own bank account as long as it's classified the right way. Yeah. Um, and then our spouse, um, if they're, uh, if they're um, paying tax, they can get a tax offset of up to $540 for that one. Uh, my other favourite is something called contribution splitting, which um, you don't actually have to have any new money going into super because, um, yeah, not, I appreciate not everybody can afford to be putting in extra money to super when they've got kids and taking yeah. breaks from the workforce. Um, contribution splitting essentially allows somebody who is having contributions going to their super split some of it to their partner um, so this often works well for people who are who have a spouse that isn't working or is working part-time um, and so it can help create some equalization in the super yeah, balances. Yeah, really important. I, I really feel like this one is going to gain a lot more momentum because I think as people are becoming more educated and I put myself in that basket as well because I think we, we would be guilty in the past of just as financial advisors going, well, person number one gets the biggest tax deduction, so let's just push all the super in there. Not really thinking about that equalisation, just looking at on a financial level. But now when we're introducing yeah. all these other factors, I think equalisation is really important. And you don't really miss out on the um, tax, do you? Yeah, that's it. So I think it's a really underused strategy and, like you said, probably get a bit more traction moving forward. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's some really practical things that you can do um, to help bridge that, yeah, that's a great, that gap. Great um, set of um, tips there. Um, I know you work with lots of types of clients, but even in the time that you've been operating and, and maybe this is from your previous work you've done as well, um, you said you seem to be attracting a lot of single women. Now, I'm interested into why you think that is, but also are there particular challenges that are unique to them, do you think? Yeah, so um, I think the that demographic has grown since I've started my business, yeah. um, the, the single women. So I, I'm seeing a lot of women probably 45 years old and above um, coming to seek advice. And they're a mixture of women that have chosen to not partner or have had a divorce or have um, had a partner pass away in their yeah. widow. So a whole combination of things. Um, or I've even got one lady who whose husband has moved into aged care and so she's now having to take over the family finances. Oh, wow. yeah. So a real range of things. Yeah. Um, and I think that the reason I probably attract um, that demographic is that I am a woman myself and so I think um, I can empathise. And I'm not saying that a, a man can't empathise, but, yeah, being a, a woman, um, I guess I get some of that emotional yeah, decision-making. Yeah. 
Um, and a big, a big compliment I often receive from my clients is that they like that I can make something complex and, and turn it into something simple for them to understand and yep. use language that they understand. So um, I do pride myself on that. And, um, yeah, just trying to make it accessible, I guess. I think as well, Delaine, what you've even been talking about today is that you're championing some of these things as well yeah. for women. So, you know, if I was a single woman, I'd be saying, well, I, I want someone who's talking like that yeah. in my corner. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yep. <laughs> and maybe, again, this is what um, we've been on some other forums uh, talking about this where um, even all male financial advisors, we all need to start it's not that we're not empathetic um, but we need to keep gaining more of an understanding of these challenges because if we may not have experienced it for ourselves I think that's probably the difference Mm. is some of the things you're communicating you've experienced for yourself you went out of the workforce and and had a baby had two babies and and experienced that not working or not having super, you know, and yeah. if you haven't done that, um, you haven't experienced it. Yeah. And it's really interesting because even though I've been a financial planner for a while now, taking those breaks out of the workforce and not getting paid for some of it and not having superannuation paid for some of that, um, I remember one night around the dinner table being in tears to my husband and he was like, what are you crying about? And I said, I'm worried about my superannuation. And he just thought it was ridiculous because I was 30 years old, worried about my super. But it's because I've seen the long-term impacts of women. Because we all, you might've heard that um, statistic that women over 55 have the highest, are the highest demographic, um, growing demographic of homelessness. Yeah. So I've seen women come to me pre-retirement or at retirement and they don't have enough superannuation to live on. And, yeah, I guess even though we've made steps and we did steps to fix that, it was still just a very emotional and scary thing being on unpaid leave and not having my own income and having to be dependent on my husband for a period of time. So, yeah, and I think there's nothing... Nothing wrong with that in a in a team sense, but I guess I guess what we're really harping on here is you don't want that to develop into something that's more permanent. Yeah, and it's just a confidence thing as well. So even yeah. like you said, we're acting as a team, working as a team, but it was just a new experience to mm, sure. um, be in that position. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that's well said. Um, I want to touch on as well that you you are on the Women in Super Committee, I think is it called a committee? Yes, um, that's right. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and and what you're, the work that you're doing there because I know that you just do that as something off to the side. Yeah, so I've been on the committee for about a year now. Um, I've been a member of their um, organisation for a few years. Yeah. Um, so the Women in Super are a not-for-profit organisation and um, they do a lot of advocacy with governments, unions, um, regulators, those types of people to improve women's outcomes around superannuation. Yep. So some of the things that they've advocated for in the past was removing the threshold around earning more than $450 per month. And that was an before- important one, wasn't it? It was because of that part-time work that we spoke about women being uh, making up the majority of part-time workers. 
So Just that was explain one what that is, Delaine, because some people yeah. might not know what you're saying. So the previous law used to be that if you didn't earn more than $450 a month, you didn't have to have superannuation contributions paid into your account from your employer. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays, it doesn't matter if you're earning less than $450 a month. If you're earning less, you still have super guarantee paid now. Yeah, which that's is great. Currently, currently 10% and going up. I think that would be a huge one, wouldn't it? Yeah, because well, I mean, like we said, every little bit helps. Yeah, and <laughs> I would think that you described before about, um, you know, going and becoming a mum, but you might just get a day a week doing something, mm. something like that, and you you wouldn't have breached that threshold, maybe. Yeah, that's right. So that's just one example. Um, they feel really strongly about having super paid on the paid parental leave by the yep. government, um, so they're c- continuing to advocate for that. Um, so those kinds of things that they're working on. I'm in the Women in Super Queensland division, I guess, yep. um, as I live in Queensland. And so we also have, um, so I guess that's more like from a head office perspective, what they focus on, um, whereas I help more in the um, the professional development opportunities and networking opportunities. So we put on events um, every few months and uh, try and raise money for things like Mother's Day Classic, which is um, for breast cancer and, yeah, yeah, help, I guess, just keep the name out there, keep the um, community strong, um, keep talking about these things. So that's kind of more where I personally um, play a part in the broader picture of the committee yeah, awesome. And I, like, I, that's just advocating for these changes. Uh, it's just another group that the government's got in their face saying we need this to change. And without that, nothing does get changed. That's it. So it's really You've important. You've got to make, got to keep talking about it to yeah. see change. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a great um, chat, Delane. But I think that was a good conversation to yeah. have about superannuation. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for coming and um, we well, we might chat to you at some stage in the future and, and hear how women in super are developing some of the, the things they're working on. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Thanks, Tim. Ciao. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you'll connect share and learn from other people just like you. Oh, what a great chat that was with Delene. It's really cool when you meet someone that really knows their stuff in a particular topic and not only that, they've really got a real commitment and passion that sits behind that too and that, that, that is Delene on that topic. Really great to see um, advisors, financial advisors like Delene starting their own business and and really working hard with their clients um, to make a real impact in these areas. I've left a link to Delene's business, Mazee Wealth, in the show notes of the podcast as well as Delene's LinkedIn profile. I do just want to also mention a couple of other websites that we've put in the show notes as well. One called Make Super Fair. That, that's a, a really solid website that talks about the gender super gap and, again, probably articulates some of the things that we chatted about today. And then also the Women in Super link to that as well. 
The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.